0: Uh, writing with a certain place of performance in mind always changes, uh, changes some things, but it doesn't really change the, the core. It's like putting a, a, a fluid in a different vessel. It's still, uh, still do me, but I acknowledge the realities and uh, the opportunities of uh, a life, a televised life performance.
1: In this episode, I'm talking to Caesar Samson, singer songwriter and producer. Caesar. it's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom.
0: I finally made it, sorry for the delay.
1: No problem at all. So um, you have a wonderful uh, career that you you're a singer and a songwriter and uh, you're a producer as well. Correct. Yeah. So tell me, where did music start for you?
0: Uh, I've been a, a working musician uh, for over twenty years, probably. Um, I'd say I'd say I did a few other things in between, scattered throughout those years, but I was always um, involved in music project throughout uh, all that time. I think the first time I actually made money with with music was in my early teens. Um, So that's probably longer ago than 20 years now, thinking about it.
1: Okay. Do you you come from a musical family? Was there an influence somewhere for you?
0: Yeah, my mom is a a composer, piano pianist um, singer, the whole, the whole nine. And, uh, yeah, my dad is a a dance choreographer and, and dancer. So I'd say there was an artistic approach or an artistic, uh, tendency all around me. Yeah.
1: So did you, did you play instruments when you were younger or how did you get into the industry?
0: Um, I'm not an instrumentalist. I'm a vocalist. So that is my instrument. Uh, I use a a few different instruments to communicate my ideas to to my fellow musicians. So I'm literate in a few uh, key instruments, but I never had the passion um, to learn the craft. I'm I'm not a tool person. I don't like having technology, even the simplest one. In between me and my ideas, but I, I do like my, uh, the the, the uh, ability to, to tell and communicate uh, my vision to everybody and, and speak in their language. So when I when I prepared, like I prepare arrangements uh, for horn section, for example, I cannot play horn really, but uh, but I need to know what what it's like to play. I need to know what what can be played. So to that degree, I I did dabble in a few instruments.
1: And you also took part in the uh, Eurovision Song Contest and you represented Austria in 2018. That's correct. Yeah. And I read also that you uh, wrote the song.
0: I wrote the song uh, with a colleague of mine and then uh, we we were about 90% finished and those last 10% uh, just didn't want to come to us. And then a good friend of ours, we sent him what we got, what we had, and he just had a brilliant idea. And without him, I probably would have shelved the song. <laughs> 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 like we had, we had most of the song very early on, and then we just were running against the wall for like a month, you know? <laughs> so so it's, it's been a collaborative effort, definitely.
1: But that's amazing, but it's how wonderful that somebody just um, made it possible that the song is uh, or, uh, has been heard and you know that just did that last little switch
0: yeah there, there are some some songs that are that are collaborative in nature and they just uh, they need uh, perspectives. Like the song was never just my song from the beginning, and it was that kind of song that just uh, came about. By communication, and it was just fitting that it was that that it also we had to collaborate to finish it. Um, Before that, I I used to be more to myself writing, and now since that experience, I think I opened up a great deal more to just inviting Mm. a a number of talented people to just uh, listen and. Uh, contribute, and sometimes it's just uh, just having someone in the room can greatly uh, shift the trajectory of a song. You know, if it's a person that has uh, that has ability.
1: Yeah, and it's also important for you to open up to that. You know, to to allow that to happen, so that you're not that precious about that. It's your just your song.
0: Absolutely, and it's also a way of, um, you know, there's there are um, these tropes, uh, tropes that we grew up with. Like we musicians grew up with, like this trope of the of the self sufficient artist who doesn't need uh, inspiration. Like he takes inspiration from life, but doesn't need inspiration from, from other musicians. And that's like the the gold standard. All the greats, they seem to just take their ideas out of the air. And I'm sure some do. But um, later in life, like after my teenage years, more and more, I realized that creativity is so so many things for so many people. And I realized that I'm a person who takes uh, inspiration from this collaborative effort. And I'm a deeply... Communicative person, I'm a very empathic person, and I'm just not that that type of person who likes being by himself um, all the time. And it's not; it's really not even about ideas per se, but it's just the uh, the, um, the presence of an energy in the room does so much for me.
1: That's true. You know, you need sometimes just the person to be there to to be able to unlock something. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. But now, for um, example, for a for a Eurovision, when you write a song, do you write a song that you think would appeal to different audiences, or did you just write because it was something that you wanted to write?
0: Uh, writing with a certain place of performance in mind always changes uh, changes some things, but it doesn't really change the the core. It's like putting a, a, a fluid in a different vessel. It's still uh, still do me, but I acknowledge the realities and uh, the opportunities of uh, a life, a televised life performance, and the the. It would be foolish to not to not uh, take that into account when when structuring the song, when when thinking about what kind of how the dynamic range should be. Like when you're sitting in the in the in the car driving to work, you want a different kind of dynamic range than when you're uh, in the evening and you're watching a huge spectacle, and there's about twenty four other songs uh, left and right of you. It's just a different place. And, and definitely uh, when, when you sit down to write a Eurovision song, which you should be doing, you shouldn't just write a song and then assume it's going to be a Eurovision song. There is something extra that you have to put into it to make it a Eurovision song. And when you do that, you should be very aware also of the visual visuality. How am I going to interpret this? Is this in- interpretable? or am I writing myself into a corner that I can not get out of on stage, you know?
1: Yeah. And this whole experience, do you think this uh, was worth it? I mean, do do you think it's, because it's quite a lot of effort that goes into doing that and, and, uh, you know, thinking about that. Would you say for for young songwriters, uh, this is something to aim for?
0: No, not for young ones. Uh, it's something to aim for for experienced ones. Mm. Uh, uh, I mean for songwriters, it doesn't matter, but for performers, the ones who have to go out there and and do it, I would not recommend it to a newcomer. I would not recommend it to somebody who doesn't have a, uh, doesn't have their own thing yet, doesn't ha- hasn't really done a lot, hasn't hasn't toured extensively. Uh, I don't think uh, Eurovision can be utilized even even uh, creatively by somebody who's just starting out. I think it's unfair also because it's a really it's a competitive environment. Uh, it's not just like playing a show; it's something more, and you need to have a good a good foundation a good foundation as a performer to feel comfortable and still easygoing in a surrounding like that. And recent years have shown that. Being, being good in a relaxed environment that you choose yourself and being good in a competitive, in the largest competition on earth is two different things entirely. And, and experience will go a long way towards uh, feeling good at Eurovision. Yeah.
1: But now you've also, uh, I read, from a very young age started touring um, and, and you were a backing singer.
0: No, I wasn't touring as a backing singer. Okay. Uh, there was only two times in my entire life that I did backing uh, backing vocals, and that was uh, the two years prior to Eurovision. I was that's actually how I came to Eurovision. I was uh, asked to to kind of oversee the the the, the, the backing choirs, like because a song has to be translated to a live performance. So sometimes you have to work with the singers who might not even be on the original song, all the the, the, the choir section, basically, they have to be kind of uh, chiseled into shape and, and polished until they sound um, favorably be- better even than the original or at least as good as the original. Mm-hmm and as the, as the record version. So I was uh, asked uh, to come by and of course, if I'm already there uh, working, I'm just, uh, it was clear to me that I will sing as well. And it also saves money for the delegation. So that was the only time uh, up until this point that I did backing vocals. Uh, so then I was so much in love with Eurovision that the year after I just wanted to do the same. And then I did it for two, for two different countries. I didn't sing for two different countries, but I worked with two different countries. With Serbia and, and uh, Macedonia and a bit of Bulgaria as well, so three were actually there with three countries. And It was just fun at that point. When I came two thousand sixteen, the first time to, to Eurovision, I didn't know what to expect, and I was just uh, extremely positively surprised. And as an really? event, I just wanted to be part of that.
1: Mm. Yeah. So you felt it's a very positive uh, experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing. There's nothing negative about it. Yeah.
1: Well, that's great to hear. You know, because you know, it, I think it's it's uh, hard work and a lot of effort, and and of course, like you say, the competition. So it is something that you have to enjoy.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is something that you have to enjoy, and you, you will enjoy if you just um, know what you're in for. If you're well prepared, you know, if you if you do your your like. If you're just comfortable doing what you do, you know these nowadays. Uh, you have to you have to imagine uh, a startup, a person who was maybe 18, 19 year old, years old at the time when I was already uh, performing uh, in these in this climate with 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 COVID. The, in the last two years, they didn't even even have chance chances to perform. You know, so how uh, like how extensive can their life experience be? So um, that's 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 why I would especially now i wouldn't I wouldn't counsel anybody who's who's just new to go to Eurovision, but otherwise it's a it's great fun. it's really
1: mm. awesome. So uh, you're also a producer, and do you have is it just your own music that you produce, or do you also work with other um artists?
0: I have uh, production inputs. Sorry, my electricity is messing with me. I have um, production input on a, on a number of projects, and it's, it's just the same way as I described with my song for Eurovision. I might just stumble into a studio and uh, and they ask me what what would you do with this with this part of the song, and then I just sit there for a few hours, and then I I just had production input. So it's it's not it's not. Uh, it's not just uh, limited to myself. It's also not that planned sometimes, you know, you have production input. When you have production input, you cannot, you cannot really plan it. And and uh, sometimes like in the years before I came out as a, a solo artist myself, I was, I was only uh, like hired to do that, to, to, to work with the, with the singer in the studio to get to get that uh, performance from from 90% to 100%. Uh, So these things were were things I I had been doing a lot in the years prior to Eurovision.
1: So tell me, where was your first gig? Where did you sing publicly for the first time?
0: That's a good question. I think I would say, because it was the first time that I sang publicly as a lead singer with my own material. Uh, before that i was singing in my mom's band uh, i was like i was everybody sang in that band so i wouldn't that wasn't such a thing for me but the first time that i stand, stood on stage alone performing my own song i think i was uh, 17 years old uh it used no. to be uh, it was in vienna when when the when the sophien sale you know it probably now is an event space it used to be uh, much bigger um, they, they, there were no other parties, it was just um, kind of a ball ball venue that held a lot of people when there was an event there and I was uh, just, I don't know, I slid into a showcase where I was the, the first warm-up act uh, before an, est- uh, an established German act and he was the warm-up act for an established American act that night. And uh, yeah, I just got the opportunity. So I sat down in the studio and uh, of course I was not happy with just performing what I already had. So I completely wrote new stuff wow. extra for that concert. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and, and I was really feeling confident uh, about the show. And then I got, of course, I got sick um, and no. had the worst, the worst throat ache in my entire life. I'm sure yeah. I was stress but never, never mind. I still did. I still did the show. I sounded horrible, but I, I had, I just had to do it. You know, I had to sell it. I just sold it with a bit more dancing and a bit more engagement, mm-hmm. and I just got got over that first one. Yeah.
1: But well, I think already, you know, just standing there or, or just performing and singing, but then having your own own material. Do you have? uh you have to have much confidence i think to do that because it's it's then also uh, the first time you performed it
0: it was it was the first time i performed that particular material yeah. yeah yeah i i think it's uh it's not so much it's just um when you're a performer it helps when you just deep down know who you are yeah so it's, it's not really about uh, thinking a whole lot about how is this going to come across? Am I going to be loved or stuff like that? That's, I think, a separate sentiment. Uh, I think most important is that you just know who you are on stage,
1: yeah. But I also think sometimes we forget where that people started somewhere and that they there was that one performance or the first performance. And sometimes we see somebody already established, and I don't um, I remember that that there was a time when it was the first. And so, so um, what what would your advice be for a young singer who's starting out now in Vienna?
0: Well, I mean, uh, just take it step by step, and and just do whatever whatever tickles your fancy, like everything that is, that excites you. Everything that you can feel motivated for, do that, and don't think too goal-oriented. Uh, especially if that's if you don't really have a, a feeling of enthusiasm about it. Don't don't like nowadays. You always see the end product. Everything has to have uh, uh, an amount of likes attached to it. it. Has to have some kind of metric that represents how important or how valuable that is. And uh, but you have to be just aware if you're uh, 20 years old. Your job is to just hone your craft and develop what it is that you want to do. And there's plenty of time for likes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But how difficult is it in Vienna to be in the music scene or in Austria?
0: Uh, In general, speaking from a whole...
1: Yeah like speaking for,
0: for for all my for all my fellow musicians i'm sure it's it's very hard and there's not much going on i wouldn't say that i'm a very representative uh, i don't have a very very representative situation because i'm known but but yeah i think it's it's not so easy and and i think for for a newcomer to get a lot of shows i think you're actually forced to sing a lot of weddings and 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 stuff like that and corporate gigs something that i always loathed to do i never i never really did that i was just lucky uh, when i was 17 years old to just get get in contact with a few established electronic music artists that really did tour around the world and i never had to do to do it like that i, I really uh, i think i think that wouldn't have inspired me all, so much because i, I like I like um, I like it when when there's when there's a lot of enthusiasm about something I don't like playing music when when people are actually just having a bite and talking to each other, chatting. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I don't really... Uh, I like when music is a moment, you know? I like when music mm-hmm. is, is a moment. It's not about me as a person, but I get into my creative space because I'm aware, okay, I'm now in a moment. And I have to mm-hmm. dig deep to get something out of myself. But if it's just background noise and I'm just doing a job, I'd hate, I hate doing music as a job. You know, music shouldn't be a job. I just don't like that. So I was very lucky to have these great moments and play uh, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 people shows wow. at age 17, 18, and 19, And so very lucky, yeah.
1: yeah. so you're used to that energy then from the audience.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm used to that. I'm used to that and I loved it and I always transform into something uh, bigger than myself when I'm, when I'm doing that.
1: Uh, but in, in Austria, is it important to sing in German or, or do, are people open to English lyrics?
0: That depends what, what you mean by in Austria. If your aspiration is to be, to, to sell music to Austria, to the Austrian artists audience exclusively and to perform in Austria exclusively, then it's probably from a, from a monetary standpoint, advisable to sing in German. But if that's not if that's not what you want to do, there's still plenty of things that you can do. You can publish your music to be heard all over the world, no matter where you are. Um, you can play shows all over the world if you if you want to. And if you if if you can make a case that you have something to offer, it's it's sure it could be it would be easy if you're right at the pulse of where everything happens, if you're sitting somewhere in New York, where you meet music industry people all the time on the street, but uh, but it can be done. Yeah, it can mm-hmm. be done.
1: So, um, tell me, what is your wish for the future now, Cesar?
0: For myself or for the world? <laughs> <laughs>
1: you can, you can, uh, you can make the, you can
0: make both. <laughs> uh, I mean, for the world, I have so many wishes. Uh, especially that they that the world can can get to their necessary learning experiences with as little as possible fallout, pain, and death. I mean, yeah, we need to go through. We need to learn. So, and we only learn the hard way by by discomfort. But I hope it's not going to be that much discomfort. So that's that's my idea about that. Not a, I'm not a utopian that that thinks people can achieve like this uh, harmonious stage of existence without any 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 hate uh, without learning a lot of stuff that we still haven't learned so i'm realistic about that so i hope just that the learning will not be too painful Uh, and about myself i don't really have have wishes i just uh i live to learn i live to get to experience new things and as long as I do that i'm always doing what i want to do
1: Jeff, you have many interests because I see you also are a fitness trainer.
0: I used to be a fitness trainer. Yeah, yeah. like uh, I don't do it anymore uh, since since Eurovision your uh, Eurovision was the mark, the, the point where I said, OK, I'm doing I'm full time musician again after after a while of doing a lot of different things at once. Um, I never had a solo project pr- prior to 2018. I was always in the, in the background, um, by choice. Um, so since then I'm not a, uh, a trainer anymore, but I, I loved, I loved my time as a personal trainer. It was just a fascinating subject. Sports science is a, definitely a passion of mine. Yeah. And I used to do it for almost 10 years.
1: Wow. Amazing. But Nancy, is it just one last thing? Um, can you do a shout out for your favorite restaurant or coffee shop? In of Miami? course.
0: Yeah. So, uh, all you people watching this, uh, my shout out goes to Cleo, uh, who is almost an extended family of mine. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm almost a, a piece of furniture there because I'm always there.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, Cleo has. Amazing food to offer, very especially very good and, and organic ingredients for the most part, a lot of stuff from the farm, farms that they actually are connected with, um, have good coffee. and it's a nice, uh, it's a nice atmosphere because it's in the Urania, which is a very historic building, also a building of learning and, and information and, and stellar research.
1: Oh really? Okay. I've never been there, but I'm going to go and try. I recommend I'm going it. To have a coffee, yeah. Thank you so much, Caesar, for your time and, and for sharing all this uh, with with me. And um, I'm wishing you a wonderful afternoon.
0: Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Bye.